Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, you can check out our audio archive every week at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And here is this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Thank you. All right, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. I am Adam Russell, and I'm the pastor here. And I'm glad that you hearty souls have braved the holiday weekend and made it to church. It's good to see you. Everybody happy? Good. Good, good, good. Uh, wasn't worship great this morning? Thanks, Crispy. Thank you. We need. There you go. I see you now. We need more New Orleans soul here. You know, I just, I believe that. I believe that if I believe that Jesus was resurrected, I believe that. So, you're welcome here. Anytime you want to come, on up, show up. Hey, uh, wasn't, wasn't my wife good last week? She preached in my stead. And if you missed the message, I highly recommend you pick up the audio archive and check it out. Um, it was awesome. And it's just another sign that the pastor is completely replaceable here at the Vineyard. If I get hit by a bus, this church is fine. Totally, totally fine. And uh, that makes me really happy. Makes me really, really happy. All right, hey, let's do this now. If you want to open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 20. I want to talk to you this morning about chariots and horses. Chariots and horses. Got at least this one more message here. Before we start a new series, probably going to start a new series next week or the following week, whichever I decide. I'm going to do a new series called Ten of Meeting. It's going to be about prayer and whatnot. But I want to do another just one-off message here. And while I was sort of getting my brain around ready to preach for the weekend, I was praying the other night, a couple weeks, a couple nights ago rather. And as I was praying, I just asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? I mean, I got some things I can talk about. What do you want me to talk about? And right before I went to sleep, the Lord just gave me a scripture. I just felt like he said, like internally, not, not audibly externally, but you know when God talks to you. I just, I had this, this little thing come in my mind. And I heard Psalm 20, verse 7. So I heard Psalm 20, verse 7. I didn't even look it up. I just went to sleep. And the next morning... I woke up and I looked it up. And Psalm 27, 20 verse 7 says this. Some folks trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Hey, why don't we do this this morning? Why don't we read this out together? Can we do that? So everybody just not look at your Bible. We're going to look at my approved scripture verse. And just... Let's just read this out, even if you're a shy person. I want shy people to open up their mouths this morning. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Connor, quit ruining my sermon. Just kidding. Hey, I don't know if you've noticed. Um, I don't know if you've noticed. This, I think this is a word for us, by the way. I don't know if you've noticed, but lately people are freaking out. Like people are freaking out. Have you noticed? And and you know who's really freaking out? Christians. Can we just admit right now that we're the worst? (laughs) 
Yeah, like if you go on the internet, especially for the last few weeks, if you go on the internet, you just, it's a, it's a dumpster fire. That's as generous as I know how to be. It's an absolute dumpster fire. And if we're going to rate good and bad, we just have to say, and I think we're all in agreement, that Christians are the worst. I mean, you guys know by now, if you've been here for even more than five or six weeks in a row, you know that Pastor Adam is not so much into us versus them realities. But if we're going to do the us versus them reality, then we have to admit right here this morning that we're worse than them. People are freaking out, and the people who are freaking out the most are Christians. Most of us have realized that. Social media is kind of a toxic waste dump. Everybody's got an opinion, and then everybody's opinion is out and on display. This is part of what social media has done. It gives everybody a voice, and that can be a really good thing. And it's really good for people to have a voice, and the reason it's really good for people to have a voice is because people are important. Like, people need to have a voice. People are important, and they should have a voice. Not only that, but it's also really fun for me, anyway, to see what my friends are up to. I especially like it when my friends post pictures of their vacation. When you guys go on vacation, I want you to post pictures of your vacation. I like living vicariously through your Instagram account. If I can't be on the beach, I'm just glad somebody is. Right? And, and I, like to see, I like to see your family, and I like to see the new babies. And I just want to say that you people are really precious. But the other thing that social media has done, in addition to the good thing of giving everybody a voice, and it's good for people to have a voice because people are important, the other thing that social media has done is it has become a platform where people not only can be heard, but it creates an atmosphere and it gives people the notion that everybody must be heard. So every opinion that enters my brain has to be broadcast. It's of utter importance. Like the wider world couldn't possibly go more than 30 minutes without knowing my expressed opinion on every single thing that happens, on every bite of food I take, on every thing that happens in the world. I need to let people know. It's not just that I can be heard. That's a good thing. But it's morphed. It's that I must be heard. Everybody must be heard. It's not just an opportunity, but it's a mandate. That's where we live right now. Not opportunities, but mandates. And then people overshare. And this is not even necessarily the point of this morning's message. We'll get to that. But can I just have a pastoral conversation with my church this morning about oversharing? Stop it. <laughs> just stop it. Like, I don't need to see your surgery pictures. Ever. No one needs to see your wounds on Instagram. Like, this is freaky. Uh, also, oh, this is another thing that we just don't need to see. We don't need to see your coded messages of anger for other people who aren't going to be reading. Internet bravery is real. And, and I really, like the, the passive aggressive, like coded message, you, you've read them, right? You're like, you're scrolling through. It's like precious baby, precious baby, beach vacation, beach vacation, you know, surgery wound. And then there's the coded message and you're like, this person's talking to some, not, they're not talking to everyone, they're talking to one. Can we just stop that? Like passive, it's like, Come on. Come on. 
or the sordid details of our breakups and fallings out. You know, do you have that friend on your Twitter feed who like when they break up with their significant other, they just smash them and tell the whole world every single thing they ever did or didn't do. Have you seen that? It's like a car crash. It's insane. It's like, wow, there's no recovery from this. And then here's the other part about that. Like. How do you expect to ever get another date if everyone knows that when you break up, the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to trash them on the internet? I'm just saying, like, I'm for marriage. You know, like, like if you ever hope to get married, you maybe, even if they're a terrible, you don't, you don't have to do that. So we don't have just opportunities to share. It's like a mandate, and so we overshare. And then, and then I guess, kind of, this is some of what I'm getting to this morning. Then there's the endless commentary about every single social issue. This is the dumpster fire. This is the dumpster fire. You know, you get on your Twitter feed or you get on Facebook and you find out that Obama is Jesus. And then another minute you find out that Obama is the Antichrist. And then you find out that the Republicans are stooges and the Dems are thieves. And then you, then you read about gay rights and Confederate flags and racism and church burnings. Church burn. By the way, there's been seven more black churches burnt in the South since... The murders. If we don't think racism is alive, you better believe it's alive. Church burnings and then the Dukes of Hazard. People are really upset about the Dukes of Hazard. I was glad Ted's gone. I mean, you know, I don't know. Then you find out that Rob Bell is awesome, and then other people think that Rob Bell is a heretic, and that America's going to hell. No, like America's really going to hell. We're in hell. We're in hell. That's where we're at. America's finally coming out of the dark ages. You scroll down a little bit after that, you find out America's finally coming out of the dark ages. And then you find out that guns are good. Guns are awesome. Everybody needs 10 guns, especially children. Then you find out guns are bad. And then finally you find out, don't touch my guns. (laughs) And without commenting on any particular issue, I would like to say that our little social experiment is quite revealing. It's quite revealing, especially among believers. See, here's the thing that I've noticed in the last few weeks. Noticed it for months, but it's just been highlighted in the last few weeks. Most of the really insane things I've read on social media in the past month have been posted by Christians. Most of the, the crazy freaking out about everything has been posted by Christians, which is really, really troubling. And it's troubling because of this. It's troubling because it reveals the degree to which the church is led by fear and anger. Fear and anger are driving the bus. And if fear and anger are driving the bus, that means that love, joy, peace, and patience have taken a back seat. It's an unholy ride. Man, I worked on that line. Come on. You think, you think, you think preaching's easy? <laughs> All right, I'm going to repeat it. I I like this is what I need. See, here's the deal. If fear and anger are driving the bus, love, joy, peace, and patience have taken a back seat. You should tweet it. And I know some people in the room are thinking, well, is the pastor saying that social media is the devil? Like, is the internet horrible? Should we all just, like, unplug? 
No. No, I'm not saying that at all. I, in fact, I don't think that social media or the internet is the devil. I just think it mostly reveals who we really are. And here's what's been revealed. The thing that's been revealed lately is this, that a good portion of the church still trusts in chariots and horses. Some people trust in chariots and other people trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. But what we've learned recently, the thing that we've really learned, is that most Christians trust in chariots and horses. What are chariots and horses? We'll read for that. Power and strength, force, guns, votes, politics, and winning. This is what Christians trust in. A couple things right here, a couple things right up front. Number one, when you read... When you read Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, let's go ahead and put that back up. When you read Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, you've got to read this and realize that this is an Exodus verse. Like if you're a Bible person at all, if you read your Bible, and if you're not a Bible person, I'd highly recommend that you become a Bible person. Everybody needs a Bible-soaked imagination. But when you read this scripture, the very first thing that should catch your attention is the word chariot and the word horses. And as soon as you read chariot and as soon as you read horses, as soon as you read chariots and as soon as you read horses, you should think Exodus. Everybody remember the Exodus story? Exodus story is this. It's the story of when some of God's favorite people, some of God's favorite people, his Hebrew people, they were slaves. They were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years. Twice as long as America's been a country. Four hundred years and God says I hear my people I'm going to do something about it and he comes down he sends Moses Moses goes and talks to the Pharaoh tells him let my people go and after 10 or 11 tries with a little bit of backing from God Pharaoh finally decides to relent and let his people go and God's people take out across the desert now how many of you understand if you've been a slave for 400 years you do not have chariots you do not have horses when Israel took off across the desert to go and worship their Lord. When Israel took their first steps in freedom, they had not one horse and not one chariot. No, not one. And guess who came to chase them down after he had changed his mind? Pharaoh. And what did Pharaoh come with? Chariots and horses. I think we all know how this story ends. It ends in maybe the greatest miracle in the Old Testament The children of Israel are backed up against the Red Sea. They have no place to go. Not one chariot, not one horse. Pharaoh comes with legions of chariots and legions of horses. And God, by some miraculous force, begins to divide the Red Sea. Some of his favorite people begin to walk across on dry land. And as soon as the chariots and the horses get in that dry spot, he covers them up. And then Miriam begins to shake a tambourine and sing a worship song unlike anything that has ever been sung in an American church. It's Exodus chapter 15. I highly recommend it. Some of us want to talk about biblical worship. You need to read Exodus 15. Miriam shakes a tambourine. She does a dance and she begins to sing a song. And the song goes like this. The horses and the riders have been thrown into the sea and they are all utterly dead. Hooray. Could you just imagine if we were to do that this morning? Like, maybe we should get Crispin, come back up to the piano and play that little lick. Um, 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 um. Yeah. Israel didn't have one horse. Israel didn't have one chariot. Israel had nothing but the name of the Lord.
Second thing you need to know right up front is this. This psalm was written by David. He's the shepherd warrior. He killed Goliath and he killed Philistines. You might be saying, well, what's the point? I'm glad you asked. Here's the point. If we're Christians, all of our hope, all of our hope, the only hope we have, every ounce of hope, all 100% of it is in the Lord. We are not... We are not those who wrap our hopes in a president, in a court, in a gun, in a bomb, in a war, in a general, in a bank account, in a job, in an economy, in power, in a position, in votes, or in laws. If you believe otherwise, you have believed some other gospel. The good news is this, that all of our hope is in a God who can sink chariots and horses all of our hope is in him we do not put our trust or the vulnerable part of who we are any part of our belief any part of our expectation in any of these other things we do not trust in chariots and we do not trust in horses we trust in the lord he's our hope he's our joy he's our prize he is our very life not only that and i really love this part Even David, a man of war, a king, even David knew this. Now this is really big that David would write this. It's really big because he would have had the most reasons to miss this fact. He would have had the most reasons to never come to this revelation. Now David begins meager. He's the least of his brothers. And God raises him up. But how many of you understand that after you win a time or two, the major temptation that you have after winning a time or two is the temptation to begin to believe that you're a winner because you were smarter, you were stronger, you were faster, and you outflanked the opposition. David knew somehow, David knew in his heart that it was never the sling and it was never the rock, it was always the Lord. It's amazing, it's stunning. Most people who become winners, the first thing they forget it was the Lord, and the next thing they begin to believe is that it was me. David never believed that it was him. It was never the sling. It was never the rock. It was always the Lord. It was never the sword. It was never his men. It was always the Lord. It's the reason that David writes in the Psalms, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for battle and my fingers for war. How many of you understand that when David says, blessed be the Lord, my rock, he's singing the lyrics of his life. And he's talking about the fact that when he slung that arrow, when he slung that, when they slung that sling and he slung that rock, it wasn't a rock. It was the Lord. He, he, he never missed it. It's stunning to me that David would be the one who gives us this this morning. Success is a blessing, but it also carries with it the temptation to believe that it was our logical it was, that I, it was a logical outcome of my own strength, courage, and smarts. But David says, he's my hope. He's my savior. And when he killed Goliath, he knew it all the way down. See, it's always God. It's always the Lord. He's our hope. He's our victory. See, some people trust in power and politics, but we trust in the Lord. Some people trust in money and an economy, but we trust in the Lord. And some people trust in sex and beauty, but we trust in the Lord. And the reason we trust in the Lord is this, because the world always trusts outward strength. Here's one of the things you just need to know. The world will always trust outward strength. Always. It's the reason right now that something is something this ridiculous could 
be getting a little bit of traction. I think it'll mean nothing in the long run, but it, but it, it reveals something about who we are and what we really believe. I mean, how many of you understand right now that that uh, the, the second like the second most logical choice that's being offered for the Republican card to be president is Donald Trump. It's the most insane thing in the world. And what I've seen mostly, this is what's even more crazy, is that there are a lot of Christians who think what we need is a Donald Trump as president. Why in the world would we ever think that a guy like that should be our leader? We trust in chariots and horses. We believe, well, if he's got a lot of money, he must be the guy. We believe that whoever has the most money is the guy. We believe that whoever has been able to squash the most bugs must be the guy. We're crazy. We're not those who trust in chariots and horses. We trust in the Lord. Profoundly, profoundly different. Not only that, but, but God is almost always working in the hidden, small, and weakest places. We assume that God's working with strong people. He's mostly working with lost losers. Let's just go back to Bible 101 here for a second. When God decided he wanted to redeem the world, he sent a vulnerable, tiny baby nursing at his mother's breast. And if Mary had not been a good mother, Jesus would have died. How does God work? He works with tiny people that you can ignore. That's how God works. See, the incarnation is the, is, is the upending of every social power, social construct that we've put our trust in. God shows up as a tiny, weak baby, couldn't beat anyone in arm wrestling, couldn't even out-intellectually out duel anyone, nursing at his mom's breast, completely hidden and unknown for over 30 years. Was the Word of God the entire time. The part I really love is this, that he didn't have to come as a baby. I've read the scriptures. There's no social contract. God was under no obligation from anyone on earth or anyone in heaven to send his redemptive son as a baby. He could have sent Jesus as a 30-year-old strong guy who shoots laser beams out of his eyes and rides a white dragon. He could have done it. And if he had done it, he would have been just in doing so. But he didn't have to do it. And if he could have done it but didn't, and if he chose to send a baby, then, he's, then there's a message in why he's... There's a reason why he's sending a baby. And the reason God sends a baby is he loves lost losers who are weak. He's mostly working in the margins. We love power. We love the strong guy. We want Donald Trump. And God's like, I'll send a baby nursing at my mom's breast. That's my guy. The hidden guy that no one sees, knows, everybody's ignoring. That's my God. That's how God works. Then Jesus shows up and starts telling parables. And by the way, nobody ever understands Jesus' parables. We've got this idea that Jesus is really simple. No. Look, the guys who follow Jesus the closest are the ones who never get it. So if you don't go through seasons of confusion, you're not following close enough. <clears throat> but then Jesus tells these parables that are... Oh, they, they scramble our brains. So one of Jesus' favorite parables is this. Well, you can take a little bit of yeast and you can hide it in dough. And when you hide it in dough, the yeast will leaven the entire dough. And he says, that's my kingdom. What's the message? Mostly hidden, mostly ignorable, mostly unknowable. 
God is at work in the hidden places. God is doing stuff. He is folding the leaven of the kingdom into the dough of the cosmos, and it is working in the margins, places you can't see. You can see its effect, but you can't see it. You can open up the dough, and you'll never find the yeast. It's completely gone, but it's there. And then finally, finally, the ultimate parable of weakness, the ultimate parable of lostness, the ultimate parable of insanity is dead Jesus on the cross. I mean, we're all here this morning because we believe that a guy got killed and it meant something for us. We are here this morning because we believe that some got crucified and was resurrected and it means something for us. We're all here this morning because we believe that some guy got murdered on a tree and that it means redemption for us. We're all here because somehow that's victory. How many of you understand that on the day that the biggest victory in the history of the universe was won, it looked like ultimate defeat? It's God's ultimate parable for how he works. We trust in chariots, we trust in horses, and God sends a dead son on a tree that no one knows. Wow. Got really quiet. (laughs) See, God has a habit of working his will through the side door. See, if we're addicted to chariots and horses, we'll likely miss on, on the work of God. If we can only see God in victory, we'll miss more than half of what he's up to. He's the God of the weak. It's the reason that Paul says in 2 Corinthians, when I'm weak, what? Then I'm strong. And by the way, if you want a real, if you want a real mind bender for your theology, if you think you've got decent theology, why don't you go read 2 Corinthians chapter 12? The whole thing. It is so countercultural. He's the God of the weak. And he's not just the God of the weak either. He's also the God of the resurrection. See, he raises dead things up. He raises dead things up. Dead hopes, they get raised up. Dead dreams, they get raised up. And a dead church, he raises up. And this part makes me particularly happy and particularly excited because here's what I believe. I believe that we're headed into one of the greatest times of renewal and power that the church has ever experienced. And it won't be because we have good leaders in Washington. It will be because everyone in Washington thinks we're nuts, thinks we're crazy, and has declared us dead. I think this is the best day ever. I think it's awesome that everybody in Washington thinks that the church is a bunch of bigots who are out of touch with reality. I think it's awesome. I think it's great that no one in Hollywood wants anything to do with Christians and everybody wants to take two steps over. I think it's awesome that everybody thinks that the Bible is a dead book full of lies. I think it's incredible. I think it's great we don't have a senator who wants to preach the gospel of the kingdom. I think it's incredible. I think it's absolutely incredible. Every single time someone declares that the church is dead or that God's kingdom is dead, it is good, good news. And it's good news because we have a God who is a resurrection God. He raises dead things up. He's working in the margins. He's working in the margins. Culture says, culture says the church is weak. They said that she's finally dead. And I'm thinking, hallelujah, that's amazing. This is the best day ever. People don't like us. Great, great. We're finally, finally beginning to live 1% into the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus says, you got to watch out when everybody speaks good of you. You got to watch out. You got to watch out when everybody speaks good of you. Great. They're starting to talk bad about us. Look out. We're finally going to get down to doing the work of God. Finally, finally. Oh, man, you can't, you can't. 
Oh, I'll start to preach here in just a minute. See, he's going to raise it all up. He's going to raise up the church. The church that's dead, and I agree, she's dead. We have forfeited our mission in a million different ways. We had a hundred opportunities to bring the kingdom, and we brought, we brought our own little fiefdom. We brought our own, little, our own little caricature of what power looks like and at advancement. But God is going to raise up the real church. And He's going to raise up the real church because the church is about to realize, the church is about to see that you don't need votes and guns to do the Jesus work of loving people. You don't. You don't need a Christian president to love your neighbor or extend mercy and grace to other losers. Listen, if America never gets another Christian president, we'll be just fine. Might even do better. We do not need votes. We do not need guns. We do not need tanks. We do not need money to do the unstoppable work of God's kingdom. Most of it's really, really close. See, the church became so fixated on being at the top that we missed all the work that God was doing at the bottom. Most of what he's doing is at the bottom. It's at the very, very bottom, down in the dregs, down with the losers, down with all the parts that we think are so broken to be useful. That's where God's working. And I think that we did that. I think we got fixated on being at the top because I think maybe we were trying to convince ourselves that if we were the winners, we would not have to do the close work of redemption with other weak people. I think this is one of the reasons we want to be winners. I think it's one of the reasons we want to be at the top. Because there's this notion that if we're at the top, then we could delegate good things into existence. And I want you to know something this morning, church. You can never, ever, ever delegate the work of the kingdom. It's always close. Again, it's incarnational work. When God wanted to redeem history, He sent His Son into history. He sent His Son into creation. His Son became creation. The very words that spoke creation took on creation's flesh. It was not at a distance. It was Emmanuel. It was God with us. There's nothing being delegated. You can't win at the top and get four people to go out and love poor people. I think that's part of what we wanted to do. We were hoping that if we could just get the right people in office that we could strategize and get the right policies so that so that people could be cared for and loved and know that they're sons and daughters of God and it'll never work it will never work you cannot delegate the work of the kingdom you have to go down and be Emmanuel you have to go down and live into the incarnation the incarnation is not something that happened to Jesus it is something that is continuing to happen to us it is the reason that in Acts chapter 2 God sends his spirit to the church Sends his spirit to the church. So Jesus takes on flesh and blood, and then the church takes on spirit. It is an incarnation picture. It has not stopped. God is continuing this project, but it's always close up, and it's with losers. You see, here's the sad truth. The chariots and horses of Jesus' day ran him over. Herod... Pilate, Caiaphas, they all get in a chariot, they get behind two black steeds, they find Jesus in the middle of the road and they run him over. And they don't even stop to see who they hit. They go right on home and they eat a steak dinner and they drink great wine. This is what the chariots and horses of Jesus' day did to him. They ran him over and no one cared until God raised him up. God raised him up. I ultimately think that we're living in an incredible day right now. And the reason we're living in an incredible day is this. It's incredible because what we've received from God cannot be taken away. Whatever you have received from God cannot be taken away. 
what you have received from God cannot be taken away. No, not 1%. Not 1%. And what have we received from God? We have received adoption as sons and daughters. We have received forgiveness. We have received life. We have received abundant life, is what Jesus said. Shaken down, pressed together, running through the seams, over the top. We've received life. We've received the kindness and the mercy of God. We've received eternity. We've received adoption as sons and daughters you're accepted on the front end even if you never become a good person you're accepted and loved we've received so many things and washington can't take them away what we have received from god cannot be taken away we should get happy like there's no reason for any one not even one ounce of despair in the church who cares what happens in america we have received things that cannot be taken away washington will never give you what you really really want frankfurt will never ever contend for the things that you really really need and because of that because of that we have an inheritance that can't be taken away we have, we have an inheritance that cannot be touched. We have, been, we have been given a treasury in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. We have something that cannot be taken away. I'm a happy person. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And if in the last three or four weeks you found yourself despairing, all that reveals is that we have mostly trusted chariots and horses and we have yet to trust the name of the Lord and we have yet to realize what he has given us. If Washington can take it away, you haven't received it from God. Let me just tell you some stuff right now. Let me just tell you a few things. Um, I love my country, but I love God's kingdom more. And I love our president, but I love Jesus a million times more. And that goes for anybody who will ever be president. I have pledged allegiance to God and his kingdom alone. That is it. And because of that, they can't take anything away from me. You can't take anything away from me. Let's say America goes really bonkers. And let's say that before I die, they come and they take my property away from me. And they, they, they confiscate it. And they throw my wife and my kids and I in some little corner to be forgotten. Great, whatever. You can't take the good stuff away from me. I love my house. I love my property. I love my vines. I love my dog. Take it all. It ain't where the joy comes from anyway. It's not where the good stuff's at. The good stuff is in a kingdom that cannot be touched by earthly power. Let them have it. Hello. Listen, the church has always done great. The church has always done great. The church has always grown, has always thrived when it was hated, persecuted, and ignored. Come on with that. Listen, God is up to something. Let the haters hate. Let the haters hate. Here's the deal. God is up to something. We are going to get about the business of loving the people who are closest to us, the people who are across the street, the weak, the, li- the, weak, the least, the lost, and the losers. Amen? Amen. Listen, get happy. Get happy. Let it let happen, whatever happens. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is what it says in Hebrews. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let everything shake. Big deal. I got a kingdom that, ha- that cannot be shaken. I've got an inheritance that can't be taken. I think my Kanye's coming out, people. Watch out. <laughs> I feel good. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm about to break out James Brown on you guys. I feel really good. I feel really good. There is nothing that's going to happen in America that can take the real joy from us. 
Now, this is Pastor Adam saying that it's always going to be easy? Nope, nope, it's not. Easy is just another, it's just another synonym for worthless. So let's just, let's just unaddict ourselves from easy. That easy button thing, throw it out the window. Sometimes, sometimes the best stuff is where it's really hard. It ain't easy, but it's really awesome. On the other side of death is always resurrection. And anybody who wants glory, you got to go through the first part. Glory never comes attached to the end of an easy button. Glory is always reserved for resurrection, and resurrection is always reserved for death. This is the gospel of the kingdom. If you die, God will raise you up. If you're broken, God will heal you. If it sucks, God will make it right. This is the gospel of the kingdom. It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. But if you hang on, if you hang on, if you will just let death do its deepest work, if you will hit the iceberg of God and sink all the way to the bottom, He will eventually raise you up. He is a resurrection God. We really need this. The church in America has not yet believed in resurrection. The two things we have not yet believed are incarnation and resurrection. The things that we're supposedly known for. We have not yet ingested that bread and drank that wine. We have not yet done it, but we're going to. We are going to. Man, we can, you, can, you can go to a million healing conferences and never drink, the, never drink the bread and never drink the wine. You can go to prophetic conferences. You can get all the stuff and you'll miss it. We are going to see the glory of God, but it is going to happen because of resurrection. And there may be some dying to do and the dying is okay. It's okay to die. Just go ahead and die. Go ahead and die. We believe in a dead guy who got back up. Go ahead and die. Just let it go. Most of the spiritual life is letting go. You just, you let go. Just let go. Let go. Can you hear me? I hope you can hear me. This is the gospel of the kingdom. This is the good news. Nothing that's really valuable can be taken away. If it can be taken away, it is fodder for a fire. And I'm happy. Amen? I think I've stirred up enough trouble. I'll probably get emails. That's okay. I believe in that. Why don't we stand up? Let's just pray. And the benediction and the ministry time this morning is just going to be this prayer. Why don't we just hold our hands out? We'll go full vineyard. Unless you're holding a baby and then you're totally exempt. God, we just say as a church, we're giving up on chariots and horses. And we know it might be a long process to learn how to give up on chariots and horses, but we trust that you're going to help us. God, we're giving up on power. We're giving up on money. We're giving up on sex, beauty, and politics. God, we say that those have their place, but your kingdom is something more valuable. We say we're running for treasure that can't be taken. Father, I ask that you would give your people... That deep river of joy that comes from Jesus. God, from the inner man, we ask for that deep river of joy that comes from the inner person of drinking from the fountain that is the Son of God. That never-ending, refreshing drink. And God, for those of us who are addicted, and it's all of us, God, for those of us who are addicted to, to managing life, Managing life from a place of fear and anger. God, we just release that to you right now. We just, we just release that. Some people trust in chariots and some people trust in horses. 
but we trust in the name of the Lord. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who was dead, 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 but is alive, alive, alive. Amen. Thank you once again for stopping by the Vineyard Campbellsville podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, in addition to our website, you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Until next time, though, we say peace to you and yours. Thank you. Thank you.